does everybody, did everybody get a handout? Did you guys get a handout, Jaime? I think, here, I got a couple here. Did you get one, Larry? No. I think I got, uh, I, I think I've, I've got a stack back there already. Thank you. And, uh, uh, there's one more, Larry. I think uh, Brother Randy is teaching the main uh, service this morning. I think Bro- Pastor Randy's got a message for us. Um, I wanted to put up this uh, slide here, and I don't know if you guys. I just dated myself, didn't I? That's a slide. <laughs> I did it all the time. There was a few years there we, we taught with slides. Yeah. Or I did. Um, I don't know how well you can see this, Pam. Probably not too well. You don't like the paper maps anymore? Yeah, I should have brought those out. Why don't you break up the uh, overlay and the projector? That's what, that's what we were talking about, the slides. I like the visual board that you use. <laughs> yeah, I, will, I may get the maps out next week, uh, Pam. I I didn't think about that. That's okay. I bring my own. <laughs> but uh, so we're talking about this uh, city of Corinth. It's right here, kind of in the Mediterranean Sea, and uh, down here at the bottom is Africa. You can see Rome. So that's Italy there with the the foot shaped land and uh, Galatia here is like modern day Turkey it's called Asia Minor in the Bible you'll see the word Asia and then uh, anyway Jerusalem is down here and Israel and and then uh, Antioch here is pretty famous and there's actually uh, I think you'll see it on another map there's two Antiochs but Anyway, uh, this is where they were first called Christians at Antioch. And so that's from uh, the book of Acts. But uh, I wanted to show you a couple things here about uh, Corinth. I'll see. I was going to take this uh, picture out, but anyway, uh, that's... Uh, where Greece is at we're familiar with the book of Thessalonians Uh, Jim mentioned the Berean class there's a a town called Berea where they it says they they were more noble than them of I think of Thessalonica it says that they searched the scriptures daily so that's why they called their class the Bereans because they they want to search the scripture but it's now called Walking Worthy uh, Philippi, remember the story of the Philippian jailer? And, uh, we know Ephesus and some of these uh, towns here. You know, one, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Kind of interesting fact, uh, back on that map, the Constantinople or Istanbul is on the right. It's not part of the map. Okay. Basically, that landmass on the right is Asia. Yeah. And Philippi, according to Greece, those are Europe. 
So whenever Paul crossed into Philippi, that was the first European, and you know, I'm sure you've heard all that, but it's just cool because we're actually looking at Europe, the very beginnings of the gospel going to Europe. Yeah. In that other continent. Yeah. So. Yeah, that is. Uh, it was in Asia. Like for Ephesus, those are in Turkey. Those are considered the Asian. So. Yeah, there you go. That's better. Like back there. Yeah, they cross there at the Byzantine. It's also Constantinople. Oh, okay. Istanbul. Okay. They had a lot of names through the centuries, but. Yeah, yeah, there it shows Europe. The top is Europe. Yeah. And the bottom is, is Asia. Gotcha. So, I think that's yeah, that's that is very. And one of these other maps shows that as well. Uh, I think this is more modern day Greece and uh, Albania. Uh, many of you know Jeff Bartel. He he uh, he's the he he's the missions pastor in New Philadelphia, Ohio. But uh, he was a missionary there. For I think about ten years, and uh, our son, our son went and helped start some churches there. He was there for nine or ten months when he was in high school. It was just really a good experience, or right out of high school. Hey, Larry. Morning. Morning. And uh, of course, uh, this year the uh, the Summer Olympics. Are they in Spain or France or? I think they're in Spain. Spain, But uh, a lot of that started around Athens and Greece, and so. Uh, Nicole Yeah, I believe Corinth is still a, a town today. I seen. I mean, it's. It's, oh, yeah. it's uh, Ricardo Montalban, the Corinthian leather. So oh yeah. Yes, okay. Interesting. So yeah, this is more of a modern day map here, and uh, this is a map that NASA took a picture of, and I just thought it was neat that you know Corinth is kind of positioned right between Greece and Achaia, so we 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 read that word in our Bible about uh, the Achaeans. So, uh, I don't know. I'm going to make sure it's true before I say it. I'm bring it up about NASA and all that. Okay. Biblically. I probably can't tell you, but uh, anyway, this this is kind of a picture of of Paul's second missionary journey. So now I just kind of wanted to put it all together that uh, Paul and Barnabas started in Antioch. It says that they were uh, they were called by the Holy Ghost to go. We okay back there? Where are we at? First or second Corinthians? Second Corinthians. What are those markers? Chapter what verse? Chapter two or chapter chapter one of Second Corinthians. What are those islands? I think they're still called Cyprus and Crete. I don't know if you can read those. So they they left Antioch and they went. Uh, by Tarsus was Paul's that's where the Apostle Paul was from that's his hometown and they traveled to Derby and Lystra and Iconium and here's the other Antioch there's there's another Antioch 
And then uh, we're going to read the word Troas maybe today. And then on up in what Jim was saying, Europe and uh, Macedonia, Thessalonica, Berea. And then down to Corinth, and, and, and then Paul goes to Ephesus, and then he comes back to either Caesarea or Jerusalem and kind of gives a report of their journey. But uh, So on your front page of your handout, I, I thought we'd read a little bit about this city of Corinth and talk about it a little bit. Uh, but I put kind of my thesis there at the top, and I don't know if that's really... Uh, the best word for it, but just kind of the, the main point of this study is that we should quit living unto ourselves and start living for Christ. And uh, I put these key verses here, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And so that is kind of the thrust of ministry, is the dying to self and living for Christ. And then I put some of this uh, logics down here. So if then logic, if, if one truly died for all, it says then all were dead. And the conclusion of that, if some come to life because of one's death, then they should live for that one to reach all others. So the word others is what I put in the blank. And so hopefully in this series, we can become others focused and less focused on ourselves. If you agree with that, just say amen. Amen. So, uh, and uh, that, 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 that dying to self, uh, is, can be difficult, but uh, through Christ, we can do that. So, let's, let's talk this first page. I gathered these from two or three sources, this, this front page of your handout. So, I want to just read that, and we'll talk about a couple points as we go through. Uh, no, cause I want to comment a little bit, uh, Carol. So about the city, without a doubt, Corinth was the most important city in Greece. It was the capital of the Roman province of Achaia. And so we we saw that on our... our, uh, We'll just look at the NASA one again. So it was kind of the capital of Greece at the time, but it was... uh, or it was the capital of the Roman province of Achaia and was ideally located on the empire's most important trade route and travel route from the east to the west. And I don't know if you... Um, you can kind of picture this, that... Instead of ships, you know, going all the way around Achaia up into here to, you know, they, they could pass through there and there was a, there was a port on both sides of that isthmus or whatever they call that land across there. And then this says Corinth was a financial center that was especially noted for commerce, culture, and absolute perverted corruption. And I think we'll talk about that at some point, but they had some like uh, 
religious prostitution going. Wow. Yeah, temple. There was some kind of, and up to like a thousand prostitutes or something like that yeah. at a religious. The temple is Aphrodite? It may have been that or Venus. Um, so Corinth was also the headquarters for the, there it is, the worship of Venus. And for some mystery cults from Egypt and Asia, and then it says it was the fourth largest of all the cities in the Roman Empire. And we said that uh, we think Alexandria, Egypt, was the largest, and uh, then Jerusalem, and then uh, Antioch, and then Corinth. So those were like the four big cities uh, around this time. And uh, I put a little bullet point there. This is important to know. It helps us understand the backdrop of this letter. The folks that were saved in that city came into the church with a lot of baggage, false cults, sexual perversion, materialism, the wisdom of man, and higher education surrounded them. For most believers, this was their background. That's why Paul wrote to them in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And Remember that says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So that, that was good for people coming out of the world then, and uh, it is for us today too. So letter B there, the church at, Cor- at Corinth was a church that had lost its purpose and is operating in the flesh instead of operating in the wisdom of God or the Spirit. The saints at Corinth are nothing more than a bunch of spiritual... What goes in there? Uh, babies. Babies. Now... Uh, Look with me, I guess, at First Corinthians. Let me let's let's get our Bible. You can hold your place in Second Corinthians, but look at First Corinthians chapter six, I believe it is. First Corinthians six. Yeah, and Carol, I will let you read that, sister. Let, let me. Yeah, let me find it. It may be First Corinthians three. I thought I had it in my notes, but I don't. <clears throat> yeah, First Corinthians three, it is Carol. Okay. And uh, just read verse one, two, and three of First Corinthians three. Do we begin again to commit it ourselves? Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. A second. A second. Go to First Corinthians chapter three. That'll give me time to get a little drink of water. It's all right. First Corinthians three, verse one, two, and three. Uh, yeah. You said three, right? Three. Okay. 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 Three
carnal, even into babies and to Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for Hebrew, yeah, were not able to bear, and neither you not able, uh, able. For yet you, or yet, canal, for who, who's there is among you enjoys a selfie, and the visions are not canal, and walk as a man. So it's basically just saying that he's there uh, because they're babies in Christ, and he's gonna he's gonna basically give them the word like babies in Christ. Yeah, yeah, they're still carnal. They're still. Uh, and I wanted to show you this. Uh, you've probably seen this before. Yeah, have to treat them like that. In the Bible, there's uh, there's like seven stages of physical growth. There, there's baby, there's little children, there's children, there's young men, there's men, uh, there's ancient or the aged. I don't know if I named all seven, but uh, so we, we believe there's also seven stages of spiritual growth, and and that's what I was. Uh, you know, when someone gets saved, we we call that uh, they're kind of in a stage of repentance. They it's the change in the disciple's life when he or she gets saved, and we want people to become discipled. And so uh, I know Larry, you're going through discipleship, and Carol is, and I think Brian, you just finished, and uh, so others of us have been through discipleship, and it helps. Kind of, it's it's really a kind of a uh, structured way to grow. You know, instead of just sitting in church and hoping to be spiritual someday, we, we kind of uh, take a more uh, of a structured path of you know memorizing some scriptures, learning some of the fundamentals of the faith, and so th- this is really, I-, I think, and again, this is. We, we, we don't really know their hearts, but probably the church in 1 Corinthians was in these first two stages of their spiritual growth. Because the Bible does say that they're, they're babes in Christ, they're still carnal, they're still growing, they're still learning. And uh, what, what I think is I think 2 Corinthians, we probably see them around stage 5 because they're, they're being consecrated. Uh, it talks about being separate from the world in, in uh, 2 Corinthians. And so uh, in, in my Bible uh, that I have at home, it, it's kind of got the dates. And we, we think that Paul wrote this, you know, around 55 to 57 A.D., and Second uh, Chronic, Second Corinthians was, you know, just a year or two later. So, uh, my thinking in that is just that, you know, just in a year or two's time, they went from babes in Christ to, you know, pretty mature believers. They're forgiving people of their sin. They're being separate from the world, and and they're ministering to others. So. You know, those, those are, and I know like in our recovery group, uh, you know, people with addictions are, are takers. They're, they're users, right? But, uh, I kind of make a note in my mind when people go from being takers and users to becoming givers and, and helping others. You know, there, there's kind of a measured, uh, maturity, I guess. 
that, that, that I see. And um, you'll find this kind of interesting. I don't know if Brian's in his office now, but um, when we first came here, we were at a conference, and the topic came came up. You know, how mature is your church? And and you know, I I feel like our church had a lot of knowledge. But Brian Hedges said something like, and I, we came here in 2005, he, he said, our church is probably in middle school. <laughs> he said something like that. <laughs> yeah, and that was kind of my, that was kind of my expression too. And I, I don't know what he would say about our church now. That was, you know, 15, almost 20 years ago. I know he says, he says our church is healthy now is what yeah. I've heard him say. So I just want you to kind of think about that. So I think, I think this chart is not only true of churches, it's true of people too, isn't it? And, and, you know, most kids think they're tougher than they are. They, we, we think we're more mature than we are. And so it, and, and sometimes we, we range in here, you know, sometimes we can act carnal, we can act like babies, and we make messes like babies, and then maybe sometimes, so we kind of maybe vacillate between stages, but I wanted you, Jim, you're kind of laughing, what are you thinking? It's good to think about. It's good to think about, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to spend a little time just talking about Corinth, because you can kind of picture if they were a church, I've seen from 400,000 to 600,000. So there's 400,000 to 600,000 people in the city of Corinth, and um, and it's you know Paul says that they're carnal, so they're coming out of the world, they're getting saved, and they've got a church, and uh, we think maybe Apollos or some of these guys are pastoring that church, and so. You know, these are real people. This is real stories. It's really historical. And, and so, you know, what, what is people going to say about our church, you know, if the Lord tarries and, uh, what he'll think about us? But, uh, so your bullet point underneath, underneath babies there, we'll pick up on your handout again. It says churches today, like the church at Corinth, have lost their purpose. They have no rhyme or reason to exist. Everybody is doing that which is right in his own eyes. Nobody wants to follow authority. The church in Corinth, like churches today, operate in the wisdom of man instead of the wisdom of God. A fleshly church will always have to build God into itself somehow. And then the letter C here, Second Corinthians is a pastor's handbook for ministry. It is perhaps the greatest book in the Bible that teaches you how to minister to people. So I, I just had you put minister in your blank. And that, that is kind of our focus here. Uh, the book was written to put the church of Corinth back on track concerning the ministry, whereas 1 Corinthians teaches about the problems. 2 Corinthians teaches us how to correct those problems. Both, both of these books relate to each other. Evidently, the people of Corinth uh, read the first letter that Paul wrote and decided to repent and do that which was right. 
at least the majority of them. Thus, the second letter from Paul, in in this letter we see the apostle bearing his heart and soul for these fellow believers and for the work of the Lord. And uh, so my teaching point here at the bottom of your handout is the church at Corinth, written to 1 Corinthians, was in stage 1 or 2 of spiritual growth. But the church at Corinth, uh, written... Uh, in sec- the written to in Second Corinthians was probably in stage five, so uh, I just I, I just had you put put the number five, and uh, it's really a time of consecration, reevaluation, separation. So the testing to prove the disciples' true nat- uh, true commitment. Its uh, ministry is strenuous, and they were being exercised. So. I don't know if you can, Carol. Can you read that from where you are? Not very, not very good. I can. So uh, I just thought we might just read a couple of these. This, the enlightenment was. Uh, they're learning about the one who made the change in your life. Uh, participation in ministry that they naturally desire to participate in God's work. So. So they're observing, now they're participating. And then development of leadership, manifestation of leadership qualities. And so, uh, anyway, the, these are some of the tools that we have to help help develop uh, spiritual growth is just discipleship one, discipleship two, and then we have a, a Bible institute and uh, just to help train men and women uh, for for ministry. So, any any other thoughts or questions? And what are you thinking back there, Brian? Oh, I, I guess I'll just think about where I was at in that list. Yeah. No, that's good. It's yeah, it's good to examine and. But yeah, it's good to know. I mean, yeah. And in our discipleship, we obviously have goals, and uh, so anyway, and you know, just as children have a natural desire, I mean, they want to help mom do the dishes, they help dad take out the trash, they, they, you naturally, so, so it's kind of the same thing spiritually, it's like, you know, gosh, this this church owns 21 acres. We we need help mowing the grass. You know, we you, you uh, we kind of naturally uh, see something that needs to be done, and and hopefully we want to be uh, part uh, of helping uh, others. And um, you know, it's really weird. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, rejoicing here in a little bit, but. Uh, th- this week, over in Sullivan, Missouri, they started a, a life issues group, and uh, and I, I texted uh, the pastor there, and he said they had 11 people there, and five of them were first time guests, and anyway, it just really encouraged my heart that uh, you know a work's going on that we kind of started here, and they uh, wanted to do something similar to help people with addictions and 
So was that the pastor that come to life issue that that? Night? Yes, oh, okay. yeah. Josh Wright is his name, and he's a young man, and he he's he's hoping another person will lead the group. But I, I'm sure he was there this first time at least. So uh, okay, well, so let's get into Second Corinthians chapter one. Let's go to chapter one now. <laughs> And at some point, um, you know, Roman numeral 2 there, considering four books to the Corinthians, it seems like you can kind of piece together from, you know, Paul says, uh, I wrote unto you these things, and then at some point he'll say, uh, addressing the things that you wrote to me about. So they, the church there wrote to Paul and Paul wrote to them. So we think there could have been as many as four letters written to the Corinthians. And we have two of them in our Bibles. But uh, we, we do know that uh, Paul did start the church at Corinth in Acts 18. And it, it says that uh, the Lord told him that he has much people in that city. And uh, he spent a year and a half there. So he, Paul was there a year and a half at the beginning when uh, I think it was um, that last picture. So, so after he started, he spent a year and a half there at Corinth. And then he went to Ephesus, and, and, and so Acts tells us that. So, all right, well, let, let's go to Second uh, Corinthians now, chapter 1. And uh, Jaime, we may start with you today. Uh, can you read verse 12 and 13 of chapter 1? Yes. <coughs> for, our, for our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience. That in simplicity and godly, sincerely, not with not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world, and more abundantly to you, Lord. For we for we write none other things unto you than what yet read our. our Acknowledge, and I trust you shall acknowledge even to the end. Yeah. So he he says this is uh, our rejoicing is this it's the testimony of his conscience, um, and and we're going to see. Uh, our, our would you read verse fourteen also? Also, ye have acknowledged us in part that we are your rejoicings, even as ye also are ours in in the days of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, so he's saying uh, just like uh, Paul saying we like him and Timothy and uh, maybe Titus we are your rejoicing he says you are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus and, and I gave you a, a verse there on your handout from First Thessalonians it says people uh, for what is our hope or joy 
or crown of rejoicing, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? And uh, I think most of us kind of remember from Revelation chapter 1, uh, Revelation 19, when the Lord comes again, it says, On His head are many crowns. You remember that? And... uh, so, so the thought is, uh, in the Bible, there, there's at least five different crowns that believers can receive, and one of them is called a crown of rejoicing. And it's uh, so P- Paul, he says several times that he wants to present believers to the Lord. So, like at at the uh, judgment seat of Christ, he can. Paul can say, like, here's the people at Corinth, Lord. I, I gave them the gospel. They they came to they acknowledge you as their savior, and uh, Christ will say, well, he, you know, here's a crown of rejoicing. You you get a crown for that, Paul, because you brought people to the Lord, and uh, you know that to be true. Uh, if you have uh, children, your, your physical children, they they are they they are a crown to you. They they. Uh, are a virtue they're they're a a part of you and spiritual children are that way too aren't they that that if you help uh, bring someone to the Lord and and so uh, anyway the thought is that um, after the judgment seat of Christ let's say you have one or two or four or five crowns uh, there's a place where the people cast their crowns at the Lord's feet they're like you know, Lord, you know, you gave us the power to do what we did. We can't, we give you the crown. So, anyway, I just think it'd be cool if you know when the Lord returns with many crowns on His head, it, it'd be cool if those one of the more were ones that you gave Him, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be sweet if Christ wore a crown, you know, just like you know your mom has a picture of you on her refrigerator or something, you know, she's proud of her children, so. You know, uh, the Lord might have a crown that you help uh, put there, right? So anyway, it's just really a beautiful thing to think about. What's that? I said they're going to be made into chain mail. <laughs> into chain mail? Oh, like at the at a warrior? There's so many crowns. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so he'll have many crowns. So this day of the Lord Jesus Christ will be a day of rejoicing. So that that's what I had you put in your blank, just the word rejoicing. And uh, my friend at work, he he really thinks the rapture's coming soon, and 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 uh, he, he's he's ready. He wants to he wants the Lord to come back. So. Uh, we, we think that this day of the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> uh, so, and I know, I know we teach a lot about, uh, end times here, but, uh, let's say just a timeline here. Let's say this is, uh, 2024, and so we're, we're right here, but, uh, shortly, uh, and uh, the word rapture comes from a word meaning to be uh, to be caught up so it's the catching away of the church and uh, it seems like that's even in one of the hymns that we sing but 
so we we believe that there's coming a uh, a seven year tribulation period. And kind of a key word in the Bible is that Christ comes for His church. Uh, you'll see that word, the word for. So He comes for us. And then this... Uh, so the second coming is kind of in two parts. And this is, this is what we call Armageddon. I don't know if I spelled that right, but this is where he comes, uh, he comes with his saints. So he, he comes for his saints here. He comes with his saints here. So he returns on a white horse. On his head are many crowns. So, uh, it's, it's during this time is, uh, I'll try to draw a chair here. This is like a, the judgment seat. So, so where where the I know in the second coming it's in you can see the revelation of the twelve tribes put on the crowns still and the yeah it is a come back with white horse right and that's the second coming. Where does it for the first coming? Where does it really reference that? You mean the rapture? Yeah, I know. Like the Thessalonians, it talks about yeah, being caught up. Yeah, that is the First Thessalonians four. Yeah. So it, does it reference our rapture, uh, or the church's rapture, anywhere else in the Bible besides? Yeah, that? yeah. Uh, Revelation four says that. Uh, okay. Revelation four uh, talks about that at the end of those seven churches. And uh, that's all right. Uh, so then, this is what we commonly call the millennium, uh, the one thousand years. Um, and then after that is where eternity future starts, and uh, this is commonly called the kingdom age. And so that, that's where the twelve tribes are ruling and reigning, or they're uh, they're judging the the twelve apostles are judging the twelve tribes. So, hey, this is just a little bit of prophecy, but uh, this is what we were talking about today: is in in the day of the Lord Jesus. In the day of the Lord Jesus, He says, "Where you're rejoicing, you are rejoicing." So. Uh, th- that's why I guess I want to just tell everybody here is, uh, you know, that, that's the conclusion of our ministry. That, that's when all the labor, all the serving of the Lord that you've done, uh, whether you die before He comes or whether you're caught up alive and to be with Him, uh, th- that's, uh, that's a day of rejoicing. We'll, we'll be thankful that we, came to church this morning, right? We'll be thankful that we shared our faith with somebody. We'll be thankful that we studied the Bible and uh, we'll be thankful that we were uh, part of a a good church in these last days. So, NASA thing that I was telling you about. Yeah. This is uh, 313. It says... uh, uh, and said the Lord God unto the woman, What is 
this thou hast done and the woman said the serpent has beguiled me that beguiled me is the word nasa in Hebrew ah I did not know that yeah, it's in the blood letter bible wow is it really yeah, I, I will look that up yeah that is pretty wild Kevin <laughs> well back, back to Second uh, Corinthians 1 here uh you know, verse 13 that uh, Jaime read. Um, I'm sorry, is verse. Uh, we we want to read verse 15 and 16 now. Sh- Sherry, are you there? Or do you want to. I'll have to pass. You'll pass. Ke- Kevin, are you Second uh, Corinthians 1? Yep. Can you read verse 15 and 16 for us? And this confidence I was minded to come unto you before that you might have a second benefit and to pass by you into Macedonia and come again out of Macedonia unto you and of you to be brought on my way toward Judah. Yeah. So... uh so he wanted to come to him again. He was minded to come again. So he he was there once and started the church, and he wanted him to have a. So there's Macedonia, up above Corinth, and uh, it says he he wanted to give him a second minute. So it would be beneficial uh, for them if he would come again. Uh, but. It, uh, it, it wasn't quite the right time, and so he he didn't come to him uh, yet again. But we believe he did at another time. So anyway, I just gave you some references there, and uh, you can kind of see from the map just geographically. And my teaching point, uh, just just as each of us have a desire to parent, every Christian should have a desire to minister. Um, and then the, this last section here, 17 through 24. Uh, Emma, would you read 17 through 19 for us? When I therefore was thus minded, did I use likeness for the things that I purpose? Do I purpose according to the pledge? that with me there should be a and may nay but as God is true our word toward you was not yea and nay for the son of God Jesus Christ who was preached among you by us even by me and so famous and timid was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we, we don't uh, talk as much like that, but he, he's he's letting them know that uh, in in Christ there's not uh, all the promises of God are, are yea. So he he said he he wasn't fickle when he was around them, and I gave you some references. And then he he mentions two of his companions there, the that Emmett read for us in nineteen, 
He says, By me and Salvanus and Timotheus was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. So they... Uh, he's letting them know that they're they're good to their word, and uh, I put on you that little. Does anybody know what the MP stands for on your handout? Oh yeah. Uh, what is it, Kevin? Uh, it, it, uh, no, it's a ministry principle. No. And so I put the word companions. And so, that, so that that's true, isn't it? That it it's good to have companions uh, to share the burden with. And so he he lists that there. So he said it wasn't time for them to him to come back to uh, Corinth, but he was hoping to give them a second benefit uh, later and come by. But he was thus minded. He didn't use lightness. He had a purpose. It wasn't according to the flesh. Uh, and then read verse 20, Pam, if you would. Kind of, All the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. And uh, does anybody know what the word amen means when you say Amen. Uh, yeah. yeah, did you say that, Kevin? So be it. Or Emma did. Uh, yeah, the word amen means so be it. And so he's saying that uh, all of God's promises in Him, in Christ, they are yea, they're, they're yes. And in Him, amen, that means so be it. And uh, so my, my last blank there, all the promises of God are yes and so be it. Not one of them is no. So I just had the word no. I read that somewhere and I, I thought that was just good. When And you know, whenever, uh, whenever Joshua brought the Israelites into the promised land, he said something like, uh, God, God's word came true. He says, not one of his promises failed. And I, I like that. So all of God's word and uh, if you think about this, you know when I when I first got saved, you know Romans ten thirteen says, "For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." Yeah. And when I read that, it's like I did that. I, I call on the name of the Lord, so that means I'm saved because I did what the Bible says, and what God says has to happen. I don't know, it just was really confirming to me. It's like, I really thought about that. Whosoever, that means you and I, if we call on the name of the Lord to be saved, and uh, Angie was telling a friend of hers this, and her friend said, well, it can't be that easy. She she told Angie that. I mean, it is that easy. It, uh, it may be the hardest thing you do but to get to that point, but it's the easiest thing you do too. So anyway... Uh, so all of God's promises are yes and so be it and not one of his promises uh, doesn't happen it, it has to happen and uh, Brian verse uh, 21 and 22 if you read those for us now he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us in God 
who hath also filled us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Yeah, now I, I didn't look this up, but I, I've heard it before. What do you think establisheth means? How is that different than establish? If, I don't know. I thought it was too common. Yeah, <laughs> thought it was kind of the same. Yeah, I thought it was from the stabilized past, present, future tense. Yeah. So establish is like when you first start something, and establish is like you're saying to more stabilize it, like sure it up after it's been established. So it's kind of some of these words that we don't use like that. Your <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, what you're saying is, is to establish it. That's the start. Is to start it, and then establish it is up, up to basically. Yeah, fir- it. firm it up and yeah. Firm it up and finish. Maybe finish it. Yeah, maybe. So anyway, it's kind of a cool word. Just trying to figure that one out. <laughs> yeah. It sounded the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, then in verse 22, it says, Who also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit now in our hearts. So you've heard of an earnest deposit. What, what is that? It's a down payment. Yeah, so it's... It's like a down payment till you purchase the thing, right? Showing you're making good intentions. Yeah, you. If you don't buy it, then you lose your earnest money, don't you? And uh, so. We can't lose our earnest money. No, because Lord, He can't. He can't lose His spirit because He gave us the earnest of our spirit. Hey, look over at Ephesians chapter one. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter one. You got it, Larry. Hang on, I'm working on it. Why don't uh, Carol, you do Ephesians 1, Larry, you do Ephesians 4. See how, so what we're looking at now is a, a book written to the church at Ephesus. And uh, so there's Ephesus. That's how we learn. Yep, it's a little book. Hey, if you, if you, hey, you'll remember this. Uh, there's an old acronym. Is it go eat popcorn? Yeah. So it's like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Is there another word to that? I, I, I use go eat popcorn. Go eat popcorn. <laughs> so Philemon, Hebrews, Peter. So yeah, chapter one of Ephesians, verse thirteen and fourteen. 
And that we should be to the praise of his boy who first trusted in Christ. In whom you are also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you are believed, you are selected with the Holy Spirit and promise. And read one more. Read one more. Which of the is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the churches? Yeah, so this is like the gospel right here. It's like we've trusted after we heard the word of truth. It's the gospel of your salvation. It says, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And, you know, whenever I was uh, growing up, um, I have to ask my dad. I think my mom sold Tupperware for a little bit. I don't know if the, you guys yeah. probably all heard of Tupperware. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the fa- the famous thing was that it seals in the freshness, <laughs> and that was the big selling point. So they seal that. T- so I think when I think when I read this verse, I think of Tupperware because it it seals the Holy Spirit. It seals your Holy Spirit to the day of redemption. So there's coming a day where the Lord is going to, He's going to come to redeem. He's going to come and redeem His purchased possession. We're, we're sealed now, and uh, He's given us the Holy Spirit. And one day He's going to uh, come and redeem us. And uh, and and then Larry, what what does the Ephesians four thirty say? It says almost the same thing. Ephesians four thirty. Yeah. Uh, hold on, I'll get to it. Ephesians 4. Hang on, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Here's a I'm working on it. Ah. <laughs> Is it Tupperware? Oh, that's great. The Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Yeah, so the Holy Spirit is, it's, it's a person, isn't it? It's, we have Him, and, uh, Brother Jaime here has some Tupperware this morning. It, it's seal, it seals in the fresh, so we're sealed with that. Anyway, uh, it seals in the water. So, anyway, uh, so when we sin and we're not following the Lord, it grieves the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, don't do that. Don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit because He's sealed you uh, to the day of redemption. So it's, it's kind of like the lady at, at the mall. All of us have probably been to a store where, you know, the kid's acting up and, you know, the mom and the kid are fussing, but, uh, it's almost like the mom has to drag the kid kicking and streaming where she wants to go. And so we don't want to be that kid. If, if the Lord's trying to lead us and we, we need to follow, we need to be happy to follow Him happily.
<laughs> so, all right, we're almost done here. Verse 23 and 24, Jimothy. Second Corinthians. Let's read the last two verses. Uh oh. I love this Bible. Jerry got me a Spanish English Bible. Oh. Can you read a little bit? Oh, yeah. It was doing good. Masayamo, adios, por testigos, hombre, mi alma. Wow. No, I'll read it. Uh, moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth. Not as that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. Hmm. He was doing good though. He was doing good. <laughs> it was, it was uh, edifying to have him. So there you see in verse 23, he says, in, in order to spare you, I came not to Corinth. So in, in verse 15, he said he, wa- he was minded to come to them so they could have a second benefit. But uh, so uh, there needed to be a little more time go by for things to kind of play out, evidently, and so he didn't. He spa- he spared them, and then in verse twenty four he he says, "Not that I have do- we have dominion over your faith." So that, that's one thing I, I like. You know, some churches have like a hierarchy, and you have priests and. Uh, and then you got the lay people, right? The common people. And, you know, some people say, and I like this expression, that there's level ground at the foot of the cross. You know, if you're saved, you're, you're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And, you know, there, there's not, uh, people are not really over. So Paul said, I don't have dominion over your faith. Uh, but we want to be helpers. We want to be joy. We want to help you stand uh, in your faith, and, and so that that's uh, that's what we're doing here this morning. On your handout, I put uh, we're helping people to rejoice. Uh, there was some godly timing. It was better for them if Paul waited and didn't come yet, and they don't have dominion over people's faith. And and I I put here on your teaching point. One of the things that the church of the Laodiceans needs most is to hear from the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And so, uh, just like Emmett said, the word Amen means so be it. Uh, it amen is a sure thing. And so, one of Jesus' names is the Amen of God. He is the, the, the promise keeper. He is the Amen of God. And, and people in the day and age we live, uh, we, we need to have a, a sure word. We need to be established in our faith. We need that confidence that we have, uh, you know, the sure word of God. And we're, that way we're not tossed about to and fro with every wind of doctrine. We, we need to grow up in Him and mature in our faith. And uh, that's what the Corinthians were doing, and uh, that that's what we're doing. And <clears throat> anyway, that that verse in your teaching point from Revelation was written to the church uh, at Laodicea, and uh, you know they they were lukewarm, and so that's what they needed in order to be hot and fervent for the Lord is 
they needed to uh, hear from the Amen and the faithful true witness and the beginning of the creation of God. Uh, that's really about all I had. Did, did anybody have any other thoughts? Pam, you're kind of quiet today. What are you thinking about back there? Well, you won't believe this, but my dad's second wife was a Seventh-day Adventist. Okay. And the name of her Bible was a sure word. Wow. So you have to be careful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Peter said that we have a more sure word of prophecy, and it says we would do well to give heed. Or uh, so that's interesting. A sure word. Well, let, let's hold up there, and uh, Larry, you want to you want to close us in prayer today? Do you care? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. You get you get here okay with your truck? Oh yeah. Okay. I thought it wasn't gonna start this morning because it was cold. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today and thank you for this message that were that uh, Pastor Steve gave us. And uh, I just pray for all the sick and afflicted people that couldn't be here today, Lord. And, just pray that the ones online got what they needed. And, uh, you know, I just, I just pray for the church that it can grow and 